You guys, after months of waiting and a year of writing, my new book, Girl, Wash Your Face, is finally out in the world. I want to thank you so much, every single one of you who has bought the book on ebook or a physical copy or on audio. Your support means the world to me. And if you are listening to my podcast and you haven't yet bought the book, you're dead to me. No, I'm totally kidding. But I am serious about how important this book is. I keep talking about it because I sincerely believe there are tools in it that can help change your life. So if you have the $16, I want you to go buy it right now because you love your pal Rach. And if you don't, head to the library or borrow it from a friend. But if you care enough to listen here, you're going to love the wisdom inside of this book. Girl, wash your face. I promise you will not be sorry you did. And so everybody can play a role, whether it's time, whether it's a company, partnership, you know, everybody can do something in this and we all should. Welcome to the Deus Podcast. My name is Rachel Hollis and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and a Google search bar. Each week we'll share direct, tangible advice or inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life. On this very special episode of the Deus Podcast, I have a conversation with president and CEO of Austin Angels and my new best friend, Susan Ramirez. She tells us about the power we all have to make real change in our communities, why she was called to help fix the broken foster care system, and gives us a first step to starting a nonprofit. Here's our conversation. Susan, thank you so much for coming to hang out with us today on Deus. I super appreciate your time. It's such incredible work that you guys are doing at Austin Angels. If someone has not heard of you or the organization before, would you tell them about who you are and what you do? So Austin Angels is a nonprofit organization that supports foster care children and their caretakers. So there's this huge margin of people who really care about the orphan crisis, but they don't even know where to begin to volunteer. And when we think about the foster care as a whole, um, it can be really overwhelming. And so our organization basically pairs individuals who are not called to foster and not called to adopt, but want to play a role in a child's life, want to make a difference. And what we do is we pair those individuals or volunteers with foster children and their caretakers. And we basically wrap around community support for, for families who are caring for children. So our program, we kind of focus on three areas of impact. So the first area of impact that we focus on is intentional giving. So most people know that when Jimmy or Johnny are pulled from their home, oftentimes it's a very traumatic where you know, police, they come in, they, they pull the children and they might not get to grab their favorite teddy bear or they might not get to grab their favorite sneakers. And so the intentional giving part means that we meet practical needs that the children need and also things that they want. And then the second area of impact that we focus on, so intentional giving is relationship building. So what that means is that our volunteers will walk alongside children and find out what their dreams and aspirations are, what they like to do. So if they're really into baseball, then our volunteers will help to pay for baseball lessons, their uniforms, and all the equipment needed. And then the last component is mentorship. And so what that looks like is that for our kids who are in high school, we begin to have the conversation with them. Hey, what do you want to do when you, when you get out at 18 years old? And we basically give them three paths that they can follow. One is that they can go to trade school. The other is that they can go into a branch of service or college. And so what our mentors do is they basically expose them to all the experiences and, and really equip them so that when they're 16, they get their driver's license, that they actually do graduate from high school, and then that they, and that they get to go and, and really become who what we say God had always intended them to be mm. because the statistics um, for children who are in the foster care system are, are so bleak. And mm -hmm. so um, that's our program. A couple of things that I really want to make sure that listeners understand. And one is, um, you know, as you know, and, and maybe some of the listeners know, I'm a former foster parent. And so I know firsthand um, how brutal 
just absolutely brutal this system is. And mm-hmm. before we got into the system, before we decided to to become foster parents, other other people who had been a part of it had told us, you know, prepare your hearts. This is a really hard thing to walk through. And mm-hmm. um, you can't know until you're inside of it. You can mm-hmm. have a little bit of an idea, but you can't possibly understand. And so one of the things that is so powerful to me about what you do, I mean, there are so many elements, but the first thing that I was so, um, that so appealed to me was you come alongside the family. You are there for these babies, but you were coming alongside the foster parents because Mm -hmm. you, like you're my friend and I just, you know, I think you're a freaking genius, but you, you went back, you worked backwards. You didn't say, and, and there are incredible organizations that do this, but like, you weren't like, we're going to get them a gift or we're going to get them a backpack or we're going to get the, you went back and systematically looked at what is what is causing the problems at the end of the system and how can we make change? Can you talk to, like, tell me about coming alongside the families because I think that's super powerful. I'm so thankful that you brought that up. And, you know, there are so many organizations and there's a lot of organizations around the nation and and we need these organizations. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not like I'm knocking them because we need them. But there are a lot of organizations that set out, for example, you know, one of the saddest things from a statistical standpoint is that children in care will move on average seven times within two years. Ugh. And so that's seven new mommies and daddies and new sets of friends if they even make them. And and this is why children who are in the foster care system are so far behind in terms of school. And this is why 55% will not graduate high school because they move so often. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that a lot of organizations across the nation do, and it's needed, but but they say, you know, I, I'm so sad about the fact that children have to move from home to home with the trash bag. And that is sad. Mm-hmm. It's devastating. But the truth is, is that you could give a child a Louis Vuitton bag and say, pack your stuff in this and move to the next home. But their self-worth doesn't improve because mm-hmm. it's not about the bag. It's about the fact that we have moved yet again. And mm-hmm. every time a child moves, the trauma just gets further and further. So, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up, Rachel, because the foster care, when we talk about it, this is a social issue. If you're not outraged by it, it's because you just don't know about yeah. it. And so this is a social issue that um, is, has all these shoot-offs of problems. And so when we talk about the prison population and what we have done is that we have paved a path of mm-hmm. failure, really, for these kids. The statistics are so stacked against them um, that we know when we look at the prison population, the majority of the prison population is made up of former foster care yeah. children. What's the percentage? Remind me of the percentage. So, so there's all these different stats, but but somewhere around 80 percent um, is the prison population. And so the reason why people don't know about this and don't talk about this is because that, you know, that's kind of a nasty thing. It's a nasty term. Um, nobody really wants to talk about it. And, you know, every time we turn on the TV in the morning and we watch the news, for example, some newscaster is trying to get a a dog or a kitty adopted. Mm -hmm. And that's important. And I'm not saying that it's not, But we're not talking about the fact that there is a child probably within five minutes of where you live who needs a mentor, who needs somebody to come and pour into their life or who needs to be adopted. And so Mm -hmm. why are we as a nation not talking about this? And I just believe that there's this huge margin of people that really, really care about the children of our community, but they just don't know what to do. And so we are trying to not only solve the foster care crisis, we are trying to reduce the prison population. If we can get rid of 80% of the prison population, what does that do to our tax dollars? Yeah. And then and then we talk about our homeless population, 50% of our homeless population. So what happens is that these kids live a mediocre life at best, only to age out of care, to have no direction, to ultimately end up homeless. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to solve the prison population. We're trying to solve the homeless population. We're trying not solve it, but make a dent in it. Mm -hmm. And then when we talk about human trafficking, the human traffickers go after the most vulnerable children of the nation, which are our children who are in the foster care system. And so there's this crazy statistics that says 60%, 66% of children, when they age out of care, are either going to get human trafficked, they're going to end up in prison, or they're going to die within one year of aging God. out of care. That's so and when horrible. we talk about how many kids, 
So our name is Austin. We are in Austin, Texas. So Austin Angels controls, you know, we've, we're here in this territory, but we have a chapter in Amarillo and we're launching trap chapters all over the nation. But Mm -hmm. the truth is, is that it's going to take communities of people that come together to walk alongside these children and these families who are, who are called to care for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard you say it a couple of times before. You're like, I'm not called to foster. I'm not. Yeah. It was, it was the hardest. Yes. It was the hardest, um, one of the hardest times of our life. It, there is a very special and specific person who God calls to that space. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But the idea that you are, it's it's you're you're mentoring these children but you're also supporting the parents who are caring for them because when you are in this space at least for us we felt so alone we did not sure. we didn't have a community of people who knew i mean we had people who wanted to support us but unless you're inside the space you can't really understand what what support looks like. So I just love that you are going back to the root of the problem. You're saying if instead of getting them the bag for when they got moved, what can we do to keep them from having to move homes? So so talk about how um, through your mentorship and through walking alongside the families, you can decrease how often they are moved and why that happens. So I'm going to give you a perfect um, story that just kind of lines up beautifully with this. Um, So again, I said earlier that children will move on average seven times. And, um, you know, we can really play a huge role in this. So we got a call from a foster mom who was really struggling with a young man. We're going to call him David. And this foster mom calls me and says, hey, listen, um, I want to get into your program. I hear about the support. And so we get in and we're three months in loving on David and this family. And and she calls and she says, you know, this is, the, I, I can no longer deal with David and, and we need to put in a removal notification. And mm-hmm. I said, well, hold on. Have we talked about this with the Love Fox group? Tell me what's going on. And David was so angry. He had had two failed adoptions. He's only eight years old. He had had two failed adoptions and he was on all these psychotropic meds that then affected the way he slept. And so he was performing poorly in school and he would come home and he would punch holes in the wall. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, listen, maybe we give David an outlet maybe we can sign David up for boxing classes so that he can get some of his frustration out. Mm-hmm. And so we talked to the love box group and we said, Hey, listen, would you be willing to go and pick up David two, three times after school, take him to boxing, take him to dinner, do some homework with him, and then drop him back off at home. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was David got into this routine of this boxing and he really loved it and was really excelling. And also by the way, he would go home and he was exhausted because he had boxed and gotten all his frustration out for an hour. Mm-hmm. And within in six weeks, the mom had said, okay, David's no longer punching holes in the wall. And now he's sleeping all the way through the night. Mm. And because he's sleeping all the way through the night, he's actually performing better in school. Mm. And now this boy who was so aggressive at home is now really thriving and really flourishing. And we don't want to do a removal on him. And that's just one case. So in Central Texas, we have 200 children that we serve. And our program, what we're seeing is that major changes are being that that are happening in terms of we're slowing down from, you know, children being removed. Moved and and um, and going to a new placement, children who are making better grades in school, mm-hmm. all because they have somebody in their life that says your life matters mm-hmm. and it matters to me. Yeah, and those are important things because you can either breathe life or you can breathe death into somebody. Mm-hmm. And these children have just had, you know, so, you know whether they were physically abused or emo- emotionally abused. These children carry around the weight that nobody cares about me, that I'm not worthy. And so to have an adult or, or Rachel, to have somebody like you come alongside a child and say to them that you matter, Mm -hmm. your life, your goals, your dreams. I mean, you breathe life into so many people, you know, every week and, but just think about what it would mean if you got to mentor a young a young girl who was had all these big dreams and aspirations but didn't even know where to begin. Yeah. And so that's what our program is. It's about taking people and mentoring these young kids to say your goals do matter. Your life does matter. And and whatever it is that you want to become, I'm going to help ensure that you get there. Well, so I'm, maybe that's a boxing class. You know? <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. And I think one of the most incredible parts about your story is that you did not set out 
to do this with your career? You, mm-hmm. Can you talk about your journey? Because I think for women listening who have this, something's on their heart to, to make change or do something, but it seems audacious and big and scary, you mm-hmm. can speak into like, you took a flying leap off in a totally different direction from where you started. Yes, yes, I can talk about it. And I think, you know, we are all searching for what our purpose is. Mm-hmm. And I want to start by saying that everybody has a purpose and everybody has a reason for being on this earth. And I just believe that, you know, you can look at a cup and you can think clearly, you see that cup, you know exactly what the purpose is. But oftentimes we look at ourselves and we say, we have no idea what our purpose is Mm -hmm. or what our value is. And so I just want to start by saying that everybody has a gift to give. And I just believe that. And I spent eight years in corporate America. So my background is that I was a corporate sales trainer for a home builder. Mm. So my job was to train and develop and hire um, salespeople. So I spent eight years in corporate home sales and I went to a conference and that basically changed my whole life. And I don't know how many times, you know, you go to something and like the whole trajectory of your life changes, but it was Mm -hmm. a conference that I went to and it was about foster care. And I was open, I guess, to receiving the message that was given. And, um, just Rachel, do you want me to go into the whole story or like, what I do you love, want to... I mean, I love this story so much. I would love for you to share it because I think it's a really important story. Okay. So we started Austin angels was basically a new year's resolution. I love this time of year goal setting, that sort of thing. And I, I went to my girlfriends, um, in October or excuse me, December of 2009. And I basically went around the table. We were all having dinner and I asked each one of my girlfriends what their new year's resolution was. And one by one, each one of the women had said, you know, I want to read more. I want to lose weight. And and mine was, I want to volunteer just one day a month, but I didn't really know what that was going to look like. And so we started off on this journey to volunteer in our community. And fast forward, I had sold a home to a woman who was a CPS worker and she invited me to a conference And the conference that she um, had invited me to was called Together for Adoption. And I went because adoption was always on my heart. I just kind of knew that adoption was going to play some role in my life. And um, so I went into this conference and there was a judge that was speaking on foster care. And the woman had said to me, hey, listen, I want you to go into this foster care um, session with me. And I said, no, 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 I'm not interested. I'm not built that way. You know, I don't know how to love on children and then, you know, have them come in my home and then and then leave. And she said, we know, Susan, the interesting thing about foster care is that it's not really about you. And wouldn't it be nice for you to open up your home, you know, to a child who's been so badly, you know, abused? And I was like, oh, okay, thanks for that kick in the pants. I guess I'll go. <laughs> and so I went into this conference and it, it just forever changed my life. And so this judge, he puts up on a screen and he kind of splits the story. So on the left-hand side, you have little Jimmy's story. And on the right-hand side was little Johnny's story. And he had told the story that, that two little boys had come in and out of his courtroom from the time they were two years old until the, they were 18 and, and about to age out of care. And so what he had done was he basically listed all of the abuse and all of the neglect that these two boys had taken. And and basically it was a mirror image in and out of 22 and 23 different placements. And the little boy on the left-hand side of the screen, no matter how many times he would move schools, he would always really excel um, in his schoolwork, which is a huge thing for children if you can actually excel in, in your schoolwork when you're being moved so often. So... At any rate, they have these things called picnics. Picnics are for children who are eligible for adoption. They get to go and they have the opportunity to meet all the mommies and daddies who are you know, open uh, for adoption. Mm-hmm. And so it's a beautiful thing for children who get chosen every year. And it's a terrible thing for the kids that go to these picnics year after year after year. They know why they're there and they never get adopted. Mm-hmm. And so the little boy on the left-hand side of the screen says, I can take my report card. I can take my report card and I can go up to all the mommies and daddies and I can show them like, look, I make good grades. Choose me. Mm. Well, as a mother of two boys, I know that there's one thing that's true and that's that no child should ever have to prove that they are worthy of being loved. Mm. And so year after year, he would take his report card and go up to them, all the mommies and daddies, and he would never get chosen. And so he turns old now and he's living in a residential treatment center and the director comes to him. This is two weeks before he's supposed to get out 
the director comes to him and, and says to him, son, you have been adopted. And he says, what do you mean I have been adopted? And he says, you have been adopted and your father will be here soon to get you. And so the young man irons his shirt and he's standing on the foots of the orphanage home or residential treatment center. And he's waiting there patiently for his dad, just nervous. And the, the dad walks up to him and he says to him, son, I am sorry that it has taken me 18 years to find you, but you will never have to worry about where you go from here, mm -hmm. that you are my son until the day that I die. And so that young man moved in there at 18 and they put him through school and then they put him through seminary. And, and today he runs one of the largest foster and adoption agencies in the state of Texas. And you hear that story and you say, praise God, that's amazing. Yeah. But the other little boy on the other side of the screen with the exact same amount of abuse and neglect and psychotropic meds and, and all the different placements, he turns 18 years old, but there's no one there to speak truth into his life that says you matter. And so he leaves at 18 years old and he packs up his grocery sack full of belongings and he just begins to walk and he begins to walk and he begins to walk until he can find the nearest freeway and he throws himself in front of an 18-wheeler and he commits suicide. And so at that moment, at that conference, at that little breakout session, I literally felt the weight of the world. I felt as if God had said to me, now this is your burden to bear and I want you to do something about this. And what I know is that not everybody's called to foster and not everybody's called to adopt. But what was that little boy supposed to grow up to become? Mm -hmm. We will never know. And so, you know, our program is to ensure that we can empower every single child so that they know who they are. They know why they're here. They know what their purpose is and that they can go on to become whatever it is that they want to be. And, um, and so what had happened was, I, I left that conference and I went to our team and I said, all the volunteering and all the work that we're doing is going to change and we're going to solely focus on foster care. And so since 2010, we've been trying to do this missional work um, to change the foster care system. Hey guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview, but now a quick word from a sponsor. Have you been dying for a chance to get away? Are you wanting the opportunity to get your cup filled back up? Do you want to hang out with a bunch of the coolest women you've ever met and drink some wine and have your butt lovingly kicked by some of the greatest female speakers on the planet? Then you need to come and hang out with us at Rise Weekend LA. April 6th and 7th, it is the most fun, most encouraging, most motivational thing you can do with your life this year. Head over to letsrise.co for more info. And sister, I sincerely hope that I will see you there. One of the questions I get asked most often is about time management. In particular, time management for working moms. That's a whole mega beast, right? You're trying to juggle school schedules and play dates and meetings and projects and getting in a workout and date night and, and it's crazy. Luckily, I found the Cozy app. Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place. No more missed pickups or double bookings. Cozy even does the job of reminding others in the family about events and appointments. Cozy will send emails every morning with the day's agenda, send on-device reminders, and alerts others when a new appointment is added to the calendar. Best part? It's free. Get Cozy, C-O-Z-I, from your app store or at cozy.com forward slash Rachel. Hey y'all, do me a favor. While you're listening to today's episode, take a screenshot and put it on Instagram or your Insta stories and tag me. I love hearing what you think and seeing what you're up to and it helps the tribe remember to go listen to this week's episode. Thanks so much. I got the chance to go to the event that y'all had a couple of months ago and I've told you this a couple of times now and I will say to the listeners, I am asked, uh, you know, with this platform, um, I'm asked a lot to come alongside different nonprofits and to do work with charity. And it is something that's on our hearts and especially when it comes to adoption and foster care, because that's a world that we've lived in. But I sat on the stage at your event and distinctly like 
I, I, I encourage everyone to go to your Facebook page and find that video and watch it because you speaking that day, I, it felt to me divine. And I don't bring, you know, I don't bring the Lord into the Deus podcast very much, but it felt divine. You are changing the world. You, I, I, what I said to you was I felt God say, this is a world changer. And I came back and I was like, Allison, we got we to gotta interview Susan on the podcast because I need her to tell this story because you are going to change the world because you are audacious enough to believe that you can. When, mm-hmm. when I talk to you, don't just say you're so passionate about the children in your community, but you don't just say, oh, I want, you know, I want to do something with the, with the kids in Austin. You're like, I want to change the nation. That's what you mm-hmm. you said on that stage that day, and you were like, "How it, you, you talked about how many football fields of kit? Tell me that that those statistics." So it was so powerful. yeah. So when we yeah, so when you think about the Super Bowl and how massive it is, um, there's about a hundred thousand you know people usually that go to a Super Bowl game, and so if you take four of those stadiums. That's how many children we have in the foster care system across the nation. And it's not yeah. something you would be aware of if you weren't in this world. And so what I love I love that y'all do is give people an opportunity. It's not saying you need to be a foster parent, but it is saying every single person, if you are listening to this right now, has resources, has you know, the, their capacity as a person to volunteer has their ability to give, um, to, to be a love box family, has the ability to be a mentor. If that's what you're called to do, you can do something and you should do something. When we, when we came out of, um, our journey of foster care and we were so sad and it was so hard, I was, you know, I'm a fixer. I'm like, I can figure out anything. And I remember sobbing to Dave and telling him, like, we need to do something. We need to reform this system. I was so on fire and like sobbing. And he was like, he's very pragmatic. And he's like, babe, it's too big. You mm-hmm. you can't even touch it. It's too big. And I remember, I maybe that is why it was so profound to me to hear about the work that you all are doing and see actual change happening right now because it seems too big so nobody touches it. And That's you're exactly like, let's right. go. Like, let's let one at a time. Let's do it. That's right. And, you know, that's the message that I hope that people will receive today by listening to this is that, you know, whether it's goal setting, whatever it is that, you know, we think about a couple of things in in terms of leadership. When you're running a nonprofit, one thing is that you can never allow your vision to be controlled by your budget. Mm. So that is like huge. And the second piece is that. I just get real passionate about this. And you said it perfectly is that there's so many people that want to do something, but they don't even know that, that they really can make a difference and that they really matter. But you see, we live in this world where I believe that everybody bigger is better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I live in Texas and there's a whole thing like, yeah, (laughs) bigger is better in Texas. Right. Um, but there's power in the small things too. And, and I think that we struggle with this and especially people, you know, like, gosh, there's so many people that follow you, Rachel. And, and, and I've got a girlfriend, for example, who really wants to empower women to live their best life. And, and her greatest goal is to kind of be what you're being. Mm-hmm. But I have to remind her that there is power in the small too. If you can mm-hmm. change one life, mm-hmm. that's, that's big too, mm-hmm. that not everybody is called to do this big, massive scale thing. So what we need is for everybody to decide, I'm going to do one small thing. I don't know what that Mother Teresa quote is. Like, if you can't feed everybody, feed one, Yeah. right? If you can't change the foster care system, but you can mentor one child, mm-hmm. then that's something. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't have the margin of time, say, you know what? I love the work that you're doing and I can invest in in you know, I can invest in you and I can become an angel ambassador and I can give you $25 a month. That helps us reach more children. Mm -hmm. And so everybody can play a role, whether it's time, whether it's a company partnership, you know, everybody can do something in this and we all should. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, you have my vote, you know, I'm on board, you know, I'm down for whatever. (laughs) We'll do all the things, girl. Um, I love it (laughs) for people who are listening, who, um, 
are inspired by what you've done and who have had it on their heart to do something similar, maybe they want to start their own nonprofit or they want to work in the nonprofit space, what mm-hmm. what could you tell them about the journey that you've been on for the last eight years? Well, I, I would say that um, when you think about nonprofit work, there's no difference in nonprofit versus for-profit in terms of running a business. Mm-hmm. A 501c is just a tax status. Mm-hmm. So you're still an entrepreneur. You're still running your own business. You still have to create a strategic plan. You still have to manage employees. I mean, those things are all the same. Yeah. And and when we, when we know and when we look at from a statistical standpoint, 75% of nonprofits are actually going to close. And I know when we had breakfast a couple of weeks ago, I had said to you that most nonprofits don't fail because they don't have funding or, you know, they're not failing because they don't have resources. They're failing because they're not resourceful. Mm. And so I knew that we were ready to launch our program throughout the nation, but I didn't have the budget to be able to do the marketing for it. Mm. And so that's when I called our friend and then I said, hey, can you also give me Rachel's information? <laughs> and, you know, like that's how it happens. Like, you have to think outside of the box. You mm-hmm. have to be resourceful. You have to engage your network. And so I would say that, number one, if you want to start a nonprofit, you should do your due diligence first because there are so many nonprofits. There's no reason to duplicate. And we need resources. So um, let's say, for example, you want to go and you want to help foster care. Well, in your community, maybe you want to do the Love Box program, and, and, and we've already established all the things, so you don't need to go and reinvent the wheel. But maybe it's something outside of foster care, and you're called to something else. Well, the first thing that you should do is you should Google what it is that you're passionate about and see if there's anybody in your area who's already doing it. I um, got interviewed a little while ago, and they had basically asked me the same question, and a woman had read it, and she said, you know, I'm really into helping fund adoptions Mm -hmm. and to see if I could help fundraise for you. And I said, this is perfect because actually we've – so we saw 40 adoptions this year through our program, and in our budget, we have a line item to help for adoptions. And so this woman was like, I'm going to start my own nonprofit because I want to help mommies and daddies who don't have funding. I'm like, well, you don't have to start a nonprofit. You can just come alongside us and help fund us if that's truly what you want to do. So my first step would say, hey, do your due diligence, Google search, see if somebody's already doing it in your area and see if you can help support that. Um, because what we, we don't need more nonprofits. We need more powerful nonprofits. Mm -hmm. We need nonprofits that can scale. We need, we need more intellect. We need more, all the things. I mean, Mm -hmm. nonprofits need help and resources. So I would say start there. One of our questions is to talk about your staff and the structure of the company and how you even knew, like, how did you figure out, okay, I need some help. And I'm going to get an intern or I'm going to get an assistant. Like, how did you even Mm -hmm. lay that out when you started bringing on staff? Okay. So I talked about earlier that I went to the conference in 2010. It took me five years before I would leave corporate America. Mm -hmm. So I did both um, for five years, but it wasn't until 2015 until I quit that I fully understood how to run a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, Rachel, like you, so my, my, I was a kinesiology major in college (laughs) thinking that I was going to go and be a physician's assistant for an orthopedic surgeon. And then that fell through. And then I got into home sales. And so nothing in my past, said to me, Hey, you should go start a nonprofit because you'd be great at it. Um, and so I am like you self-taught everything Mm -hmm. that I have learned has been from a podcast has been from a book. It's been from Google. The Google is like my mentor. Um, all of 2015, it took me a solid year to kind of figure out who are we, where are we going to go? What's our mission statement? What's our vision statement and how do we get there? And, um, I knew the one thing that I knew that we needed was help. And, Mm -hmm. and, oh, by the way, I've got no money to pay anybody. So what do I do? I went down to the college and I said, Hey, I'm looking for interns. Can you help me? And having interns completely changed everything for us because now I don't have to focus on the social media and I, I can, I don't have to focus on the case manager. I I can focus on moving this mission forward. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, the one thing I would say about interns is that you always want to, um, get interns who have to do it for a grade Mm -hmm. because when they do it for a grade, man, they sure (laughs) do work their little tails off versus like, Oh, I just want to learn and get experience. And then I never show up. That's so real. Good tip. And how, so what size is the staff today? 
So we have a pretty small staff. So we have six people on staff that work full time for us. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, we have a board of directors that all roll up their sleeve and they all have job titles and roles and they all commit to working, um, you know, 10 hours a month too. That's awesome. Um, and but you, they do it for free. Yes. <laughs> and you are, um, you're going to grow in 2018. Um, you tell tell yes. us about that expansion and what it looks like for you guys. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm so thrilled. And I've had so many amazing conversations of people who just really feel called to do something. And so we've got um, first quarter of this year, we have DFW, which is just in Dallas here in Texas. We've got Dallas Angels opening up. We have Cedar Valley um, Angels opening up. And that's in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And then we've got San Antonio, which is also in Texas. We have uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. We've got Columbia, South Carolina. So these are all people that are right now in their um, kind of very beginning stages of opening up. But our kind of long-term vision and goal is that we want a chapter in every major metropolitan city across the nation. And so one of the kind of things, you know, people will call and, and they'll say, Hey, I really want information, but I have to tell you that I'm nervous because I don't have nonprofit experience. I'm like, well, listen, neither did I. (laughs) Um, And so, um, so anyway, so yeah, I'm really excited about 2018 and I'm excited about what this is going to look like for us. And your hope is that, or your ideal is that each city and each community will really, um, take this on and make it obviously following the the structure that you've put in place, but you really want it to be unique to like Phoenix Angels and Los Angeles. You really want it to be their thing. You want them to be passionate and excited about the children of their community. Absolutely. So if you were to go to our website on each side of our uh, logo, it says love local. And the idea is that people would take responsibility for children in their own community, because Mm -hmm. the truth is, is that you probably have a child within five minutes of you Mm -hmm. who needs a mentor, who needs somebody. So, you know, not everybody is called to do work, you know, um, on the other side of the world. There's children right here in your own community. So um, the Love Local is just a stamp that we put on because we believe that it's going to take the people in the community to change the children. So. I love yeah. that. So tell me this. Let's say someone's listening right now and something about what you just said, something about talking about the local um, branches, it, it's it's lighting a little fire. There's a tingle in their heart. There There's something. They've caught their breath. They're, they're, they're interested. What would you say is the ideal person? Like who is this for? Yeah. And I, that's a good I feel question. like, I mean, I feel like the magic is that there isn't a, an exact type, but like, what would your, if you're like, if you are this kind of person and yeah. there's something on your heart, man, send me an email. Yes. That's so good. So, you know, um, well, first I, I had a woman come from Houston one time and sit through one of our board meetings. And after we got done, we went to lunch and I was like, so what do you think? And she was like, oh my gosh, I am nothing like you. I'm never going to be able to do this. And I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) I was like, I was like, you know, um, I don't need you to be me in your city. I need you to be you in your city. And so there are some traits that I really, I really admire. But one of those traits that is going to help is that you do have to be a leader. You have to be able to communicate people, you have to be able to, well, number one, you have to be passionate about this work. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to have foster care experience. You don't have to have, you know, strategic planning experience or website. You know, the beautiful thing is that when you become a chapter of us, like our marketing team helps, you know, you don't have to hire a marketer because all the marketing will be done here in Mm -hmm. Austin and you don't have to hire a CFO because we have one for the whole nation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you don't have to have those types of giftings, but what you do have to have is a a real passion, a real fire in the belly for this work. And you have to have some leadership skills because, you know, the thing about running a nonprofit, like I said earlier, it's no different from running a for-profit company. So Mm -hmm. there are traits that you have to have, um, you know, and, and so if you, if you feel passionate about that and you want to have a one-on-one conversation with me, um, you can go to our website and you can fill out a form about wanting to know more information and, and we can jump on a call and I can kind of give you those skill sets that we, that we really look for. But really it's about love for your community. I love that. Um, could you, are there ways to help if you don't have 
if 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 you're not in Austin, if you're like, man, I'd love to be a Lovebox family or I'd love to be supportive, are there ways that people listening can be supportive of you guys and what does that look like? Yeah, so we have a program called the Angel Ambassador Program. And what that is, is that's for people who maybe um, either are out of town or they don't have the ability to actually sign up to be a Lovebox leader. And so they are a monthly donor that starts at $25 a month and goes up to wherever they feel comfortable. Um, but they donate funds and that helps for our operational expenses and also for our love box families and cases. So we will have kind of an emergency funding situation where we had a mom in our program who was actually going to lose her five children because her Mm. home was in really severe need of improvement, but she could not improve her home. And so we actually raised enough money to buy her a brand new home and completely outfitted it. And, um, and she actually got to move forward and adopt her five children because we gave her a new home. And so when we can, when we pull all of our funds together, I mean, that's when real miracles happen and real change happens. So, you know, maybe you're in Kansas and we don't have anybody right now who's wanting to open up a chapter, but you really love this and you want to be a part of it and you can sign up to be an angel ambassador. That's so rad. One of my favorite things about you is that you remind me a lot of me. It's like really true. Um, is that we like have just instantly become friends. It's not even yes. a joke or something that I'm saying here for this podcast. Um, so you are of all the people in my life, like it, similarities in terms of we both are podcast nerds. We both are book nerds. We're yes. constantly growing. It's a huge value in our lives. So I would love for you to talk about that because it's something I'm really passionate about. And um, what are the books that you have read in the last year, the last couple of years that you feel like have really impacted your growth as a woman, as a leader, as a mom in any area, but you just really loved them. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I love this. You know, this is like one of my most favorite things to talk about. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that when you're running an organization, when you're at the top, and there's nobody above you. There's nobody to pour into you. Yes. And so you really have to take responsibility in your own personal growth. And so one of the things, I mean, every single day I listen to podcasts and so you're like, where do you find time? It's like, well, when I'm putting on my makeup in the morning, yep. or I, I'm always in the car. Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly listening to podcasts. So one of the podcasts that I just absolutely love and listen to all the time, besides yours, of sister, course. I've listened to every one. <laughs> um, is I listen to Entree Leadership yes. and I also, um, but my but my favorite above that one, it's called Leadership Momentum. Have you ever Ooh, heard of this by no. Chris Brown? Oh my gosh. Okay, so so this is a thing. So it's my it's my number one favorite podcast, but it is a spiritual podcast. So okay. Chris Brown, this guy, he interviews every mega pastor from across the nation. So um, I, I just believe in um, leadership development. And I'm telling you, it is like, it just pours into your soul and it's the greatest mentor I, I have. So I listen to Leadership Momentum probably every day. And then I also listen to um, Guy Raz. Yeah. Um, how I built yes, this. Yes. I love uh, how I built it's this. Another one that I listen to all the time. Um, so, so those are kind of my three go-to podcasts, but then, you know, of course I listen to Jen's podcast, yeah. Jen Hatmaker, you know, yeah. but that's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really business, but it's just fun, you yeah. know? Um, um, and yours. So yeah, so I have like five that I, that I listen to regularly. And then there's another one that's local here. It's called two guys on your head mm. and it's a psychology podcast, but they, they do talk a lot about leadership. And so that's kind of a good one too, but leadership momentum, I say, go for it. If you're not already listening. To yeah. I wrote, I literally it. wrote it down on my notes right now. Okay. So I can and, listen to it later. And, and then in terms of books, so this is where you actually don't know, and you might totally lose respect, but I don't read. Oh, you're not um, a reader. Okay. No, no, no. Well, I we read, can still be I friends. Don't read, I don't read fiction. <laughs> I don't oh, no. read fiction. Okay, no, that's fine. I, I read so much of both categories that I can yeah. be anybody's book nerd friend. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah. I just read, like, self-help books. Yeah. It's so funny. I one time had a girlfriend. We were walking through Barnes & Nobles, and she's like, oh, look, self-help. They should have your picture above Seriously. that. Seriously. <laughs> no, I, those are the best books because even if you don't love every part of it, I feel like I always find a nugget of wisdom to yes. carry with me into the future. So my um, goal for 2018 was having <laughs> – 
<laughs> sounds so funny. Um, but having more friends who are in similar spaces to me in business because I am, you know, blessed and I've got friends, but I just don't have a lot of friends in the same space. And so I had sent Susan a text like two weeks ago and said, will you be one of my one of these friends and this friendship will consist of like, I don't know, once a month we get on the phone and we talk about our goals. It's like an accountability buddy or something, but whatever yes. it is, that's what we are. And in this conversation, um, I was telling you that as we're going into 18 with the company, my focus is that I want to make sure that we keep our focus. So we, you know, Hey, this is what we do. And we want to make sure that everyone's headed in the right direction. And she told me, Go pick up the book called The One Thing, which, of course, I primed yes. while we were on the phone with each other. I bought it while we were on the phone. And I'm halfway through yes. and, I, and I really dig it. And, in fact, I started wondering, could you define the one thing in different areas of your life? So, for instance, uh, just as a – okay. The book is about what is the one thing that you could do in your business right now that would – turn everything around or that would mm -hmm. scale it or grow it like crazy. And so I wondered what is the one thing that you could do in your, for your health? What's the one thing that you could do for your marriage? Like something simple mm. that if you just did mm -hmm. one thing, it would be the domino that led to everything else. So, um, so good. I'm halfway through and I agree. It's really good. Thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. And you know what I love about that is that anytime you're leading anything, especially women who multitask, we're always spinning so many plates mm -hmm. and it's hard because we've got these big dreams. Okay. I want to get to this, but how do I get there? It's really about honing in and focusing on that one thing that will get you there. And for us at Austin angels, it was, Hey, we need to get help. How do we do that? And Oh, by the way, we need free help in the very beginning. Yeah. And once we got interns for us, that, that began to change everything. Then the dominoes began to fall. So anyways, I'm glad that you like it. Yes. Okay, good. Thank you for that one. Okay. And you ordered High Performance Habits, correct? Uh, it's on its way, okay, and great. it's probably Perfect. in my mailbox right now. See, now if everybody listening got themselves an accountability buddy, this is the kind of great information you'd be getting <laughs> from your partner. Um, so I, as you know, because you're, you're a listener, um, I ask everyone the same five questions on every single episode, and I would like to ask them to you, friend. Fabulous. Uh, Bring it on. What time do you get up in the morning? Usually about 630. Okay. But listen, I am that here's a disclaimer is that I am a total sleeper and I could sleep for days, but I've got a young <laughs> one. I've got a one and a half year old who's yes. just clock just wakes up at 630 okay. every day. But but the truth is I could really sleep all day. <laughs> yes. All right. Are, do you go to bed early? Are you like, no, oh, never. come on. Midnight. What? I know. Terrible. It's oh, my best time to work, so, honestly. I know. After it's so important. I put the husband and kids to sleep. Yes. That's when I get up and work when oh the house my is gosh, quiet. Girl. I know. It's terrible. I know. All right. What? Um, are you a coffee drinker? And if so, what's your order? I'm a major coffee drinker. That's for sure. <laughs> I live on it. Me too. Uh, I usually have about two cups a day, but, okay. but I'm pretty simple. I just like um, black coffee with two teaspoons of half and half. No okay. sugary stuff. I don't like the sweet stuff. Nice. Um, when you travel, is there an item that you can't live without? Um, yes. I always have a bottle of water with me. Mm -hmm. Always. Mm -hmm. I'm a just drink so much water. And, but then also I have a little nail kit. So I'm obsessed with nails Oh, really? and I always have a, I always have a fingernail filer and a cuticle clipper with me How at all times. Funny. How funny. What a random, like you were for sure the first person to go there and I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I wish I had said something a little bit more. No, um, I love you know, it. Interesting. I, but the but, thing is, everybody's is, like, there hasn't been one person yet who said something like so life changing. It's always everyone's like version of a security blanket. Something practical. Yeah, it's super practical. Yeah. Um, so, what yeah, is your favorite physical activity, your favorite workout, and how often do you do it? Um, so I, probably my most favorite thing is I live in an older neighborhood that has some hills. And so five, six times a week, I, my, my oldest boy rides his bike and I put my youngest one in the stroller and we walk for 30, 45 minutes, five, nice. six times a week. But then I also, I really like to lift weights. My best friend is a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I really enjoy lifting weights. I don't love to run. I know you're a huge runner, yes. but, but get under a squat machine makes me feel powerful. <laughs> no, that's a good Even one. Even if it is just the bar. It makes me feel powerful too. I need to do it more. Yeah. Um, so for the women who are listening to this, 
Um, if you could give them one piece of advice that they would actually take, one bit of wisdom that they would really, truly sit with and marinate in, what is the thing you would tell them? Okay, so early on um, when we were forming Austin Angels, I had an attorney who we were working with get some kind of legal mumbo jumbo uh, worked out. And I remember asking him a question. I wanted his opinion. I'm a person that really values opinion and collaboration. And I had asked him what his opinion was. And he stopped me and he said, well, you know, Susan, this is your company. What's your opinion? Because who cares what my opinion is? And I, I kind of paused for a moment and he said, have you ever heard of the story of David and Goliath? And I was like, uh, yes, learned <laughs> that. And, you know, when I was five, I was like, you know, he goes against the giant, he throws a rock, boom, hits his head. And, and then he cuts his head off. Like, yeah, what's your point? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, you know, Susan, that's not actually really the, the full story. He said, you know, David, when he was going into battle, when he was getting ready to fight, the king and all his brothers put all this armor on top of him, wanted him to go into battle with this big, long sword. And had he had gone into battle like that, he probably would have died. Mm -hmm. But he trusts his instincts. And he said, no, 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 like, hey, just give me some rocks and like, I'll do the deal. And so he said, people, sometimes when you ask their opinion, they want to put armor on you thinking that it's the good and right thing. And so many of us women go to our friends or go to our people that we love and we say, hey, give me your opinion. Tell me what I should do. And the truth is, is that we know what we should do. Mm. And so if I can share any kind of, you know, anything today, it's that, you know, chances are we know what we need to do. Mm. And God has gifted us with, you know, everything that we need Mm -hmm. to make those kind of decisions. And so anyways, I learned that from the attorney that day and kind of was like, you know what? Yeah, God has put me in this position for a reason. And I know what the answer is. And so, um, so anyway, so that's that. It's about, you know, really reflecting about this is you in this situation and only you can make the best answer for yourself. So oh, there I it is. I love that. So good. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with yes. us today and talk about the work that you're doing. You inspire me every single time. And I've heard these stories more than once. And every time I get tears in my eyes and I'm just so um, on fire for what y'all are doing. And I can't wait to help thank you. you. Um, make it even bigger and everything that we can do we are so behind you I really don't say that lightly and I don't ever say that publicly but you guys are actually making change in children's lives and we're so excited to be a part of it with you so thank you for your work and thank you for your wisdom we will be back with another episode next week in the meantime if you have a moment and you can write a review or subscribe to the podcast that is life to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode for more information you can check out daispodcast.com or stalk me on every form of social media i am miss rachel hollis on every single platform this week's featured itunes review comes from enid jones all the things rachel is the real deal i love that she shares from her heart the highs and lows She's not afraid to tell it how it is. I'm so glad that this podcast exists. As a small business owner and dreamer, I am thankful for women that are willing to share their stories. She shares from a perspective of business professionals and not just as a mom or as a woman, but as powerful human beings changing the world. This is wholeheartedly worth my time. Hey, Enid, thank you so much for your review. We super appreciate it. And if you're listening and you want to be featured as our weekly reviewer, well, sister, go write something nice on iTunes. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.